Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. You might remember me as Kevin Owens punching bag on SmackDown. You're listening to the whole Rough and Show, the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole Rough and Show. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle the whole reverend show my name is perry smith and my name is darren beasley on today's episode we're talking about the world of professional wrestling darren it's new it's something we've never done on the show before (laughs) it's all new it's all different it's giant size man thing Right, it is exactly that. Of course, Darren is referencing... That's what they used to call me in high school, by the way. Uh, I believe that. Darren's referencing, of course, uh, Giant Size X-Men. Did that make that Actually, up? I was referencing Giant Size Man-Thing. Right, but what's that issue of X-Men where the, the new team's bursting through? Or is that Giant Size number one? That's Giant Size X-Men number one. There you go. But yeah, so the, the new team of X-Men's bursting out, and then the background is the old team of X-Men going like, Huh? But it's funny because... Cyclops is also <laughs> Cyclops is on both teams. He's bursting out. He's bursting out. He's part of the new team, and he's part of the old team. That's like there's a new team. It's like you idiot. You're on both teams. <laughs> so when I say this was about wrestling, obviously I was kidding, folks, because it's so far it's been about X Men. It's not. It's going to be about. It's going to be very little about wrestling. Very little about wrestling. But you know what? The wrestling we are talking about is the fact that Justin Credible is in trouble with the law. Uh, we're going to review all in. Cody Rhodes of the Bullet Club and the Young Bucks were all in. They put on a hell of a show, and we have got to talk about it. We're excited to do so. And speaking of excitement for shows, Independent Wrestling, one of our favorite independent organizations, if not our favorite, Fest Wrestling, is coming back to you on September 8th in Gainesville, Florida, for their second anniversary bash. And this is your one-stop shop for the pre-show for that bash. Oh, man, it's me, favorito, senor. Feliz cumpleaños, Fest Wrestling. Lucha, lucha, lucha. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a pretty good week for independent wrestling, I gotta say. And uh, speaking of which, you attended a wrestling show. That's right. Uh, As a matter of fact... In my hometown, in the hometown of the whole ref and show, Valdosta, Georgia, local independent wrestling organization, Spinebuster Championship Wrestling, held an event at the Mathis City Auditorium, and wouldn't you know it, friend of the show, dear friend of the show, and Fest Wrestling Champion Effie was in the main event of Spine Buster Championship Wrestling's show. It was a great show. And it was a really great show. Spine Buster put on a good show for, uh, I, I was really pleased with the crowd. I was uh, a little curious about how the turnout might be on a Wednesday evening. In a small town in South Georgia like Valdosta, you know, It was 27 years ago that at the Mathis City Auditorium, I saw a WCW show that was headlined by Cactus Jack taking on Van Hammer. Wow. So, yeah, some time. Yeah, 27 years later, I sat there as the grown-ass man that I am 
and I saw the Spinebuster Championship Wrestling Spartan Champion, Hunter Mako, defend his title against the Golden Boy of Grabass, Effie. And guess what? I got my wish. My wish came true. As I sat there in Mathis City Auditorium, Perry, the beautiful, sweet sounds of Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road <laughs> filled the air. Mathis City Auditorium, a 70-year-old building that doubles as a fallout shelter. Wonderful acoustics to hear uh, that, I guess, Effie's alternative entrance music play and we got to see uh, the weapon of sass destruction make his way to the ring. It was really cool seeing Effie outside of that fest atmosphere where he is a lot these days. Whether he is in Georgia or Florida or New York City, all over this great country of ours, Effie is making a huge impact in indie wrestling. So it was really neat seeing him in Valdosta. Well, you can't lock him in your penthouse, all right? He's going back to his cloud. That's right. Uh, you know, maybe you should have listened to his old man. Who's to say? That's uh, where the dogs of society have. And now we're just going to speak and <laughs> get by Yellow Brick Road lyrics. <laughs> you know, when you, when you say that Mathis City Auditorium doubles as a fallout shelter, uh, I believe that. But when I think of fallout shelter, I think about when I was training uh, to work at Universal Studios Hollywood years ago. And we're in orientation, and my manager... Um, says to us, like, you know, uh, Universal has many, like, safety areas, like fallout shelters, basically, and there's enough food to feed everyone who works there for, like, a week. And I said, I hope you like Dippin' Dots. And they laughed and laughed and laughed. And I got a friend who reminded me of that every now and again that I said that. <laughs> that I said that back in 2006. Anyway, um, so... That's um, funny. Usually, usually when I was at Universal Studios Hollywood, I was eating a churro sundae. Well, <laughs> you, you don't want to... You wanna, know why, though? You know why? Why's that? Because back then, it was the present. And Dippin' Dots are the ice cream of the future, so I couldn't have possibly possibly been eating Dippin' Dots. That's, that's accurate. That is very accurate. Um, yeah, you don't want a churro that's past a day or two. You, you really don't. Yeah, you don't want fallout shelter churro. <laughs> Might as well just let that starvation take over because you're not going to want that churro. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you uh, glad you enjoyed yourself. Glad you got to uh, see Effie. I mean, you'll see him again this weekend. Uh, I hope if he's not too busy. And uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's get into the show, man. Let's talk about some of them headlines. Just incredible. I mean, that's not just the coolest. That's not just the best. That's getting arrested for the second time in 30 days. Justin, buddy, come on. We got to do better than this. Apparently, both arrests are for violating a restraining order. The most recent arrest also including additional charges. And on that list is third degree assault. I don't really know exactly what constitutes third-degree assault. I was wondering that, it, too. Yeah, what's third-degree assault? I don't know. Right. Well, I tell you what, it's a lot more than nothing. Whatever it is, it's a lot more than nothing. It's entirely too much more than nothing. And nothing is pretty much all you need to be doing if you got a restraining order against you and you are in 
a, a long, a very long protracted period of uh, substance abuse rehab. This, this is discouraging. This is sad. I, I don't mean to make too much light of it um, because it really is unfortunate. If you've been following Justin Credible for the last couple of years, he's really, truly fallen on some hard times. He is suffering from the demons that we uh, all too often hear about people's demons getting the best of them in the world of professional wrestling. I mean, he's, he's been means... he's been found drunk at at least one uh, like indie show backstage stuff like that, which we did we never really reported on because that's not really news to us. That's just you know somewhat an unfortunate situation. Also, he wasn't operating a, a forklift at the time, so you know let the guy drink. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It was sort of just yes. What else is new? Um, not necessarily about just incredible, but just about people, right? Right. Oh, people get drunk sometimes, but people getting arrested twice for violating a restraining order—that's not what—that's not what people do. That's not what well people do. You know, just incredible has been uh, working with DDP. I know he's been in and out, and in and out of the uh, quote-unquote accountability crib, DDP's uh, sort of home for wayward wrestlers uh, up in, uh, I believe it's Smyrna, Georgia, uh, somewhere outside of Atlanta. And No, 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 that, that's all Atlanta, Darren. <laughs> Don't worry, if, if, you're not, if you're not from Georgia, then you say Georgia, and they go, oh, Atlanta. So, yeah. That, no, you're absolutely right. That people believe that Atlanta is the entire state. Just, just rename Georgia Atlanta so people, uh, <laughs> so people feel better about themselves. I don't know. So just incredible. Uh, I know that he has been pleading his case. He's been trying to get the message out there that drugs are bad, and he's very sorry for uh, his abuse, and and he's been very apologetic for his own failure to lead by example. And um, I know that. It seems like his efforts have been serious and uh, genuine. Nevertheless, he is badly falling off, very, very badly falling off the the horse here. Um, I know that he's had a documentary crew following him around for a long time. Um, I know that he wouldn't be doing this, uh, all of that, if he weren't uh, confident in his ability to rehabilitate himself or allow himself to be rehabilitated. Nevertheless, how many times can you go up and down and up and down before the documentary almost seems fruitless? Um, and again, where do you end it? How do we know? At, one, at what point was his rehab complete? When did, did we think that he was well before at some point? You know, I don't know. That, that part is, is unclear. Um, what is clear is the the man needs some help. I hope he gets it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, um, people who find themselves behind or in a situation where they need to kind of pull themselves out of the the hole they've dug for themselves, or you know, get healthy, uh, kick drugs, alcohol. I'm not saying he's on drugs or you know whatever, but uh, I mean, if you you got to keep trying, if you're not trying, you're dying. So, I mean, at least he's trying, you know, he, he knows he has an issue. Um, some people are like, I'm not the problem, you're the problem. It sounds like Justin Credible has an inkling that he is the one 
who has a serious problem, but I mean, addiction's hard. Otherwise, people would be able to just stop doing horrible things uh, to themselves and to other people. So, uh, no, and that's true. And I, but here's the thing: I think we would also be remiss if we did not address the fact that someone is actively being done wrong in these situations. However, uh, it's it's bad enough when an addict uh, or someone who is ill is mistreating themselves, but someone else clearly is the target of just incredible's out of control behavior. So we would also like to acknowledge and extend the best wishes to whomever this is, who's being assaulted or whoever's restraining order is being violated. Just incredible has done some damage to someone, be it physically, emotionally, or mentally. Um, he's crossed a number of boundaries or this situation wouldn't exist. Right. So definitely feel bad for whoever the victim is in this situation, but you can't help, but also feel bad for just incredible just because, uh, I guess he's let his, uh, the, the darker sides of him get the best of him. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a terrible situation. Life is full of terrible situations like this. It's not just in pro wrestling. seems like we hear about it too much in pro wrestling. Uh, more than we hear about it in other places, nevertheless. And, of course, we wish everyone the best. This is true. And we wish that for Justin Credible. And uh, hopefully it's some positive news in the future. And uh, positive news when it comes to wrestling. Uh, a lot of positive news here because uh, we're talking about All In. I would call All In a huge success. And I hope Vince McMahon is hearing about and reading about how successful All In was. That was like WrestleMania for independent wrestling. That was like oh, Wrestle Kingdom. That was like that was like Wrestle Kingdom for independent wrestling. It was great. It, it lived up to every expectation I had for it. So it totally did. Absolutely, man. It was Wrestle Kingdom, WrestleMania, and with the accompanying star cast and uh, all those in attendance, what was not to love? This was a great show. Absolutely. So let's talk about it. Here's our review for All In. They called it the biggest independent wrestling show ever. I'd be hard-pressed to disagree. How about you, Perry? I'd say so. Nothing comes to mind that would rival it. (laughs) According to reports, there had not been an independent show that sold this many tickets since 1993. Any ticket sales over 10,000 for professional wrestling belonged exclusively to big time promotions, which I guess would include WWE and WCW. I was actually watching World Class Championship Wrestling uh, just last night, uh, just randomly put something on in the background to ignore, and they, they were in Texas. They had, uh, they had shows at some sort of like arena, some sort of football, arena, like a stadium. And they, they boasted like 10,000 people in their crowd. Um, and Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so wrestling, you can pull in an audience in the thousands for wrestling. You don't have to be WCW. Well, not now. You don't have to be WWF. You don't have to be New Japan. It can be done. And Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, they proved just that. They really did. I, I think it's amazing that they did. I, I somehow didn't doubt it, but am still amazed. I guess maybe the amazement is more of uh, I'm proud. I'm proud for them. I'm excited for them and for us. I'm excited for wrestling fans. It's it's really neat to think uh, that all of the success almost guarantees 
we're going to see more stuff like this. Whether it's Cody and the Young Bucks, whether it's All In being an annual event, whether it's All In turning into a company, whether somebody else on the independent level decides to pony up the amount of cash and try and book a card that'll fill 10,000 plus seats that almost, you know, competes in a way with both All In as well as Vince McMahon. I am very excited because I think all of the above is possible at this point. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, Vince is just, he wasn't happy leading up to the show. He would make little digs at All In um, whenever possible. And it, it happened. It was a huge success. It was well-received. It was number one trending worldwide on Twitter, which, you know, if you're watching Raw or SmackDown, they love when that happens. They tell you about it repeatedly. So, I mean, and it was great. I mean, every match was way too good. Any match is better than anything you'd see on Raw and SmackDown Live. And I'm not being a, a brand elitist at all. It's just It's just true. I don't know why matches aren't as good at WWE. I don't know what they do. To the wrestlers, <laughs> I don't understand. Well, they just don't book them for worth a shit. They just don't book the matches to matter. Right. They don't allow the talent to use their talent. They just don't do it. And All In is about showcasing the talent of these people. Um, so the show that was, it was Saturday, the 1st of September, 2018, in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, outside of Chicago, at the Sears Center. And, uh, you, you know, it was very funny. You mentioned that it was trending worldwide. Um, I rarely use my Twitter, as our dear listeners know. I typically retweet whatever you tweet uh, on behalf of the whole reference show. And then I'll typically retweet something that Effie says, maybe something that friend of the show, Rich Bokini, says. And that's about it. Right. But... In addition to looking around on Instagram and Facebook, it was funny to see all in, all over Twitter. And I also couldn't help but notice that because that's the hashtag, there's no company name to throw in, there's no uh, qualifiers to throw in, you just get hashtag A-L-L-I-N. And the very, very first time I saw that, I thought, Allen, as in Gigi <laughs> Allen. Oh God! Oh, because God. that's how Gigi Allen spelled Allen, and um, so that's pretty funny. I thought that to myself a few times. Went about my business. Twenty-four hours later, I'm scrolling through Twitter again, and I uh, one of the few non-wrestling people that I follow <laughs> is Patton Oswalt, the stand-up comedian. And I noticed that he had tweeted hashtag all in, A-L-L-I-N, I guess because he saw it as the trending worldwide. So he decided to chime in. It was hashtag A-L-L-I-N and then a picture of Gigi Allen. And I laughed heartily. Thank you, Patton Oswalt, for keeping <laughs> that joke alive. It wasn't just a passing thought for me. It was a joke that far more people got to take advantage of because of your Twitter following as opposed to my Twitter following. So thanks, Patton. I think you deserve that same size Twitter following, Darren, because you're a saint, and I think more people need to know. Well, you know, what I should have done was I should have tweeted it 
if then if Patton Oswalt wanted to get involved in that worldwide trend, he might have seen it. And if Patton Oswalt had retweeted me, well, we'd probably be talking to several extra thousands of people at this very moment. We would have Patton Oswalt on the show. We would we would force him to talk about wrestling. <laughs> I, I remember a time when it was like Hulk Hogan, right? Hulk Hogan and like the and this, there was a, a, a giant Andre, right? Yeah. That's my Patton yeah, Oswalt. I, I bet that is probably the beginning and the end of Patton Oswalt's wrestling knowledge is Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. I, I would just want to get like an hour of audio with Patton Oswalt so that way I could take it and then I, I would I would take a bunch of his words and I would make my own bootleg Ratatouille 2 and sell it. Um, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know what? How about let's talk about this card? I'm a visionary, Darren. God damn it. No, you are. You are. I can never take that away from you. Thank you. So, outside of Chicago, the biggest independent wrestling show ever, it started with an hour that was shown exclusively on the cable network station, WGN. Now, I used to get WGN when I was a kid, even in Georgia. You know what WGN is good for in the 80s? Chicago Cubs baseball games and Bozo the Clown. Yep, 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 yep. And that's it. I don't remember. I, well, my grandmother and I probably watched Donahue and Geraldo on WGN. But really, <laughs> just Cubs baseball and Bozo the Clown. And uh, luckily enough, man, we had WGN and the TBS Superstation, so we got all kind of weird shit. <laughs> but hey, we got wrestling at 6.05, and that's all that matters. 6.05, by the way, embroidered on Cody Rhodes' boots on this night at All In. A little shout out to the mothership, if you will, WCW Saturday Night, baby. So, on this pre-show, WGN, we got two matches. The opening match of the evening in front of that live crowd at All In was the Briscoe Brothers of Ring of Honor fame taking on SoCal Uncensored, which of course is a, a three-man team involving Christopher Daniels. But in this match, it is represented by Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. Now, unfortunately, even though I got WGN as a child, I don't get it anymore. So I didn't see this match. Did you? I did not, no. Now, unfortunately, I don't have anything to say about it, but we do know that SoCal Uncensored took the victory. And that's surprising to me. I would think you'd want to show out your Briscoe brothers uh, on this type of program because those guys those guys have been carrying a torch uh, for indie wrestling for the better part of a couple decades. And they're on the, the, the kickoff show, no less. Now, we can't, we can't not give this shit like we give WWE shit for having kickoff show. Next up, we had the over-budget Battle Royale, a 15-person Battle Royale to determine the number one contender to the Ring of Honor World Championship held by Jay Lethal, a match that would take place later on this card. 19 men in this match, actually. Uh, I know I said it was 15-person, but there are actually 19 men in this match, including Moose... Brandon Cutler, Chuck Taylor, friend of the show. Chucky T. Trent Beretta, Flip Gordon, Rocky Romero, Cheeseburger, 
The Hurricane, Shane Helms, Ethan Page, Tommy Dreamer, Jimmy Jacobs, Punishment Martinez, Austin Gunn, Billy Gunn, badass Billy Gunn, Marco Stunt, Brian Cage, Jordan Grace, Colt Cabana, and Bully Ray. So what a mix. I mean, we've got people, we've got uh, several people in there that we've seen at Fest Wrestling. We've got WWE Hall of Famers, ECW Originals, New Japan standouts. We've got people who have been title holders in TNA, in ROH. We've got a former WWE Tag Team Champion. We've got uh, a former WWE writer, ROH wrestler, old school. God, that is a... That is a killer match. That is a Motley crew. That, that is a very eclectic mix of people uh, who just probably just all wanted to be involved in some way. And obviously you can't, uh, I mean, they've literally pulled a WWE and said like, sorry guys, you can't all make the show. So here's this big 20 man match. Uh, get in there. That's true. That's very true. These and are all I, the Ty Dillingers and the, and the Mike Canalises of all in, I guess. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, The last two men eliminated will be Colt Cabana and Bully Ray as Flip Gordon goes on to win the over-budget Battle Royale by eliminating uh, the artist formerly known as Bubba Ray Dudley. Uh, But, of course, on this night, as uh, any non-WWE appearance, he is now Bully Ray. So congratulations to Flip Gordon. This will be... Not his last appearance for the night. And now All In goes live. Live on pay-per-view. Live on Fight TV app. And live for the Honor Club subscription service to Ring of Honor. There were several ways for you to watch All In. We uh, we hope that you supported it <laughs> by paying for it in some capacity and um, not only is it legal that way, but also let's stack up the bucks and encourage things like All In to happen more often. Right. And and that being said, you did purchase the pay-per-view and gave me one of the three codes you could use to log in to watch the pay-per-view. So, so, we totally did it legal. legal. Totally, totally legal. legal. Totally legal, folks. So, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Totally legal. Well... Once we are on the air live for everyone, not just those watching the WGN cable network, but no, everyone, the opening match of the evening is friend of the show, Matt Cross. Yeah. Versus frenemy of the show, MJF. (laughs) Um, I I will remind our viewers that MJF once uh, grabbed my mustache and offered me $20 if I would shave, quote, that silly shit off your face. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, not a nice so, guy. Uh, not a nice Maxwell guy. J- Much like Tony Schiavone uh, once said to Hulk Hogan, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, you can go straight to hell. Nice. Nice. Take that, Majif. Take that. But all in, Matt Cross, M-Dog himself, faces MJF in a singles match. I guess, Matt, this is a really good way to start the show. Matt Cross, longtime indie guy. You know, we talk about people carrying a torch, waving a flag, you know, you know, really 
representing the spirit of indie wrestling, that's Matt Cross. And then you got MJF, who in all of his disgusting nastiness and all of his heel, his heelness, uh, is an amazing talent and very young. So he's the future of indie wrestling, so to speak. I, I do like that it was, uh, even with just these two people alone, like, they're probably some of the best people you can book for your indie show. Uh, Matt Cross, because, I mean, he's so versatile in the ring, and his, his athleticism is just off the charts. I, I'm never I'm never not impressed by Matt Cross when I see him wrestle a match. Uh, MJF, uh, obviously he's so good at his character, and he's he's hated... Uh, he's someone who actually remains in character even when he's not in the ring, even when, you know, he's selling t-shirts or whatever, which I think is irritating as shit. But (laughs) that's because I hate method acting and I think it's stupid. But um, he's good at what he does and he's actually a very good wrestler. He's a very good storyteller. He has good ring psychology. And he himself is actually pretty athletic in the ring. Uh, A couple of... uh, amazing feats that he pulled off during the match. Uh, the match itself was great. I mean, it, it, like you said, it started off exactly the way it should have. I know Matt Cross is fucking happy as he can be for basically starting off the, the pay-per-view and being involved in the pay-per-view at all. But, I mean, if you tune in and just saw that one match, you saw how good uh, Matt Cross was and MJF as well. And um, Matt Cross does go over an MJF, which I was very surprised that that happened. But uh, hey, man, I wasn't I wasn't unhappy about it. No, yeah, me neither. I thought that it was uh, a real nice nod to everything Matt Cross has done for indie wrestling to to get the win here. Hey, let me ask you a question real quick. What did you feel about the way this show looked? How did you feel about the aesthetic? Um, I feel like the show borrowed from a lot of different things. So it didn't seem like any one thing. I mean, I guess it mostly, most closely resembled like a New Japan show. Just because the audience is so dark and the entranceway is like so narrow and so long. Um, But I don't know. I feel like it borrowed a lot of aesthetics to kind of be its own thing. What did you think? Um, I definitely thought it was its own thing, um, but it looked like a like a million bucks. Oh, it was great! Um, no, it was super super well done. But I thought it was very funny that it's like, ooh, the the new and hip and indie sponsored by Cracker Barrel. You know what I mean? I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, that was funny, but that was old school. Like I like that. I loved seeing TGI Fridays on the ring apron and Cracker Barrel. On the ring apron and a Cracker Barrel barrel. Oh, yes, you see that eventually. But I I think that I had a lot of fear before the show started over the weeks leading up to it that it might look like shit. Oh, man, that was a professional. That was well, well done. Um, Definitely. No, for sure. But it, it did not look for one second or feel for one second like WWE. And that was the other thing I was afraid of. I thought it's either going to look like shit or it's going to look too much like WWE. It avoided both of those things. It looked really great, really sharp, super professional, and alone in its aesthetic. It, you're right. It borrowed a lot of things, but it didn't copy anything. Right. It, it, we were left with a, a singular visual. And for that, I was really happy. All right. Next up, Christopher Daniels, the last man from SoCal Uncensored, took on Stephen Amell. 
Is it Amel or is it Amel? It could be Amel, like the the bad guy from Dragnet, starring uh, Dan Aykroyd and Tom Hanks, Amel Muzz. Well, there you go. It might be, actually. Um, I'm not sure. I don't watch the CW's Arrow. Um, and so I don't really know that much about this guy. I know the last time I saw him, I was live in attendance at SummerSlam 2015 when he was involved uh, with Cody Rhodes, who at the time was Stardust. And I don't, I didn't care about Stephen Amell then, and I don't really care about him now. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know why. Like of all the thousands of people in the world who probably have pro wrestling dreams. How come this guy keeps being granted his? Because like, he's you know, on the show Arrow, and indie wrestlers love Arrow and Flash. Okay, why do indie wrestlers love Arrow? Because he wants to be a they, wrestler. See, so it's, it is simply a I scratch your back, you scratch mine? It's circular logic, Darren. It doesn't make any sense. No, you know, these kids these kids nowadays, they love their Netflix shows. They love the... the, the CW Steve, shows. Green, the Arrow is not a Netflix. That's show. why I said. That's why I added CW shows. I know that Marvel shows or Netflix shows. Darren, we had you that long conversation kids, about X Men Giant Size Number One at the very beginning. Were you not there? The, uh, these kids do love their CW shows, though. They do. I I've never seen anything like it. I remember when the CW sucked. <laughs> I mean, like. I think it sucks now, but I mean, like, I remember when everybody, I remember when everyone thought, I remember when it was consensus that the CW sucked. Wasn't SmackDown on CW for a while? It it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. As a matter of fact, if you go back almost two full years to the very first time we had Effie on the whole Refn show, he mentioned being a, 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 a little boy. And watching SmackDown on the CW. And uh, in addition to making me feel very old, uh, <laughs> it reminded me that SmackDown was on the CW. On the CW. Christopher Daniels. Well, what's what's going to happen? Will she get her boyfriend on? Tune in to find out on the CW. <laughs> um, I might actually watch that before I rewatch Christopher Daniels versus Stephen Amell or Amell. Uh, for such a wonderful show, this is sort of a, a little bit of a, a smudge. I just don't care. That's all. It's fine if you want to push Amel. I, I'm sure Amel probably actually did put some butts in seats. Well, truth be told, put some- truth be told, we are not big fans of Christopher Daniels. Okay, we'll go ahead and say that right now. So he'd have to be fighting like Raven in his prime for Darren to really, truly give a shit. I like how you always incorporate time travel. Like, that's ever possible. Well, who wants to watch Raven wrestle now? <laughs> Let's go ahead and call that out. Yeah, there's plenty of other wrestlers that I like. No, no, no. Raven in his prime. Travel. Raven in his prime. Okay. Well, that, that that means that it's even less likely for you to care, is, is my thing. You would have to invent time travel, make it accessible to Raven... Um, and then, <laughs> then, um, or at least you would have to go back and pull Raven and convince Raven to come with you into the future to fight Christopher Daniels so you can care about a match. If Scott Levy all of a sudden, just one day in 1996, uh, while he was probably very himself, very much addicted, 
to some sort of opiate. Um, if I showed up and, and introduced the concept of time travel to him, I'm pretty sure he really would stop caring about wrestling at all. He certainly <laughs> wouldn't take the trip to the future just to wrestle and then be taken back. Just for the story alone. All you have to do is say, well, he would be like, well, convince me, convince me you're from the future. And you'll be like, in the future, you have a podcast. And he'll go, what the hell is a podcast? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, Christopher Daniels wins. Okay, great. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, um, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Christopher Daniels does win. Uh, good for him. At least uh, he he is the wrestler here. So let's he say, hey, he beat the win. The, the veteran beat the non wrestler. What a great match! Next up, however, we have a four way women's match. Between Madison Rain, Britt Baker, that's Dr. Britt Baker, DDS, by the way, Chelsea Green, and Tessa Blanchard. You would think Chelsea- she'd be a professional baker, but no, she's an amateur baker, even though it's her name, but she's an actual doctor. But she's also a wrestler. Well, she's a doctor of dental surgery, that's for sure. Okay. Chelsea Green sporting the crazy bride look, um, which I am very, very much in favor of. Tessa Blanchard, I I said to myself, Tessa Blanchard has put on 10 pounds of pure muscle. She is so terrifying (laughs) that I do not want to have to ever fight Tessa Blanchard. Okay. This woman looks Tough, rough, mean, lean, and strong AF. And uh, we did get a nice moment here when we saw Tessa Blanchard come to the ring and give her father, uh, uh, Tully Blanchard, of course, WWE Hall of Famer and Four Horsemen, Tully Blanchard, gives his daughter a hug, and then we see her turn to the man who actually raised her, despite only being her stepfather, that, of course, Magnum T.A., who finds himself, unfortunately, wheelchair-bound these days. But how neat was it to see Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA sort of accompany Tessa to the ring? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of added to, like, the old-school uh, flair of, of, the, of this indie show. And you th- I mean, you think indie, you think, like, ah, new, hip. But there are so many nods to old-school wrestling in this. I mean, not only WWF, but also NWA later on. And it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, we are all, we're all fans of all wrestling, you know, all encompassing. And man, it's really cool. And Tessa Blanchard will always kind of have that chip on her shoulder. Uh, it helps, it, it helps that she is so talented. So she doesn't have to just go like, well, you know who my father is. I mean, she, you, you could take out the whole Blanchard part and she'd be totally fine. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. If she would just sure. Tessa, you know, she, she doesn't have to rely on go like, well, you know I am second generation. So, I mean, the fact that she She is so talented. Absolutely. Um, It's just great. I think she's just a a really great performer. I couldn't agree more. I think that she has the look in every way possible. She's got a a unique face. It is marketable. It is eye-catching. It's uh, intriguing. She's beautiful. She's got an impressive build. She's strong as hell. Uh, she's, She's excellent. And she's got everything it takes to be one of the top women in this business. Uh, and on this night, she's the top woman on this card. 
she defeats these other three women and and takes it home representing uh, women's independent wrestling. I think all the women did great in this match. This this is a phenomenal match, by the way. Um, I think this is the only time women are represented on the show. Um, but it, it is it is a good assortment uh, of ladies in this match. To me, though, Chelsea Green stole the show um, when it came to this match. Uh, and I think, the I will say the ending of the match was a little confusing. Because Tessa Blanchard, Tessa Blanchard rolls up, I forget who... Um, maybe, maybe it was Chelsea Green, but the other two ladies run in and try to break up the count, and it looks like they get there at three to break it up, but the ref, and everyone's like, oh, okay, she didn't win, but then, like, all of a sudden the ref's like, you know, ring the bell, she did win, and it was like, oh, 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 no, she did win. Like, it was kind of a confusing ending, and actually drew some boos. I, I don't know if people were confused by the ending, or if they, they would rather Chelsea Green won the match, but... Um, I don't know, but I mean, everyone did great. Everyone really did great. But to me, Chelsea Green, who I'd never really seen in action uh, before, like she really stood out to me. So, um, but yeah, just excellent match. Oh, it's a very good match. Uh, Chelsea Green, of course, we've seen her in Impact. We saw her very briefly a few years ago playing a bit part as uh, Daniel and Bree's um, physical therapist in WWE. And uh, we know that she dates Zack Ryder. Which, and, which speaking uh, of which, she does a little uh, little shout-out to Zack Ryder during her match. She did, like, the, what is that called? The Yobro elbow or whatever? The woo-woo? Right, yeah. Yeah, 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 she did that. Uh, that was actually- and we know that she also recently had a WWE tryout. So we may actually see Chelsea Green in the WWE pretty soon. I know we're going to see Madison Rain as part of the Mae Young Classic. Speaking of uh, WWE, uh, Tennille Dashwood, a.k.a. Emma, doing commentary during this match. That's right. Absolutely. And Tessa, we've seen in a WWE ring. We saw Tessa at last year's Mae Young Classic, uh, the the first Mae Young Classic, which we are getting to that eventually, folks. Don't worry. We'll get there. Yeah. And, man, Tessa's resume, it's incredible. She is currently the Impact Wrestling Knockouts champion, having defeated Sue Young uh, just uh, a little over a week ago in a three-way match that also featured Allie. And so Tessa is also your Knockouts champion. And not to be outdone, Dr. Britt Baker DDS not only makes a hell of a, a splash here at All In, but we are going to have the pleasure of seeing her at Fest Wrestling. And we'll talk about that later in this show. But Tessa Blanchard takes the victory on this night at All In. And great show, ladies. Next up, at the midway point in this card, I think a lot of people were surprised at where this match fell in the card's lineup. I was very surprised. <laughs> very this, surprised. of course, is... The NWA World Title Match as champion, NWA World Heavyweight Champion, holder of the 10 pounds of gold, Nick Aldis, formerly known as Brutus Magnus, took on the man of the hour in every possible sense, Cody. Cody Rhodes, that is. Of course, accompanied to the ring by his lovely bride, Brandy Rhodes, and his dog, his uh, his dog Pharaoh, I believe is his name, and 
how cool was this entourage bit? Like, I really like the idea of the entourage, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout outs to uh, to, to wrestlers uh, <laughs> of the past. Uh, DDP was in the entourage. And Tommy Dreamer and making Tommy his Dreamer. second appearance on this show. It was very, very cool to see Tommy Dreamer out there sort of representing uh, the American dream. Dusty Rhodes, the father of Cody Rhodes. I will say, though, however... I uh, I must express my extreme disappointment. Why did Cody Rhodes have Glacier <laughs> as part of his entourage? I don't care who you are. Don't have Glacier as part of your uh, big moment in the sun. What did Glacier ever do for Cody Rhodes? <laughs> Probably. I hope that Gl- I honestly hope that Glacier bought Cody Rhodes his first six pack or his first condom or taught him how to ride a bicycle or something because that's about the only way I'll forgive Cody Rhodes for making me look at Glacier on this otherwise amazing night in wrestling history. Well, Darren is not a fan of Glacier, folks, but. Darren's got a very good reason for not being a fan of Glacier. There's a long story that goes with it. It's a very personal story because it's something that happened to Darren. But on episode 100, folks, you're going to hear the Glacier story. And you, that's you, hashtag dear listener, will hate Glacier just as much as we do. <laughs> Oh, man, uh, this this is going to be a dated reference, but uh, this is where we need Paul Harvey so that he can tell us all about the rest of the story. Good day. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, but not Glacier is not good stuff. Glacier is not good stuff. And he, <laughs> nearly ruined, he nearly ruined this entire night for me. But anyway, I tried not to think about it. I tried to pretend it was a bad dream. And that it was also a lucid dream, and that like I had a little bit of control. And in the my version of this lucid dream, I eliminated Glacier. So anyway, I'm sorry you had to see that, Darren. I apologize. However, the match though. Yeah, well, Nick Aldis. We also got to talk about his weird team, his weird entourage. Very neat seeing Jeff Jarrett by his side. I thought that makes good sense. Um, Jeff Jarrett is a good steward for the NWA. He's a good steward. For all those TNA years that uh, that Aldis put in, so Jeff Jarrett, I like him being there. Uh, Tim Storm, uh, who was a recent NWA World Champion before uh, the belt was put on Aldis, um, a couple of guys I didn't know, and Sean Divari. I mean, um, AKA Divari. Right, right, right. But but not Billy Sting. And <laughs> not Billy Sting, no. No, no, but Sean Davari, I don't know why he was there, but okay, whatever. Uh, maybe he's just good friends with Nick Aldis, but uh, all of the... Uh, wow, I, I talked about how much I like the entourages, and now it sounds like I'm kind of poo-pooing the entourages, but I promise I'm not. Just get Glacier out of there. Um, okay, let's talk about the match. It felt way big, right? It felt way big. 
Well, it's cool just seeing the NWA title being defended in general. Um, and also you have you have a, a, a road slash runnels in there. Um, I mean, that whole thing, that, that, that means a lot. It does. And we get all the pomp and circumstance surrounding it. And then I honestly believe, and I haven't followed Nick Aldis's career match by match. I don't know what all he's fully capable of, but I've seen him wrestle plenty of times, and I've never seen him have a match this good. So Nick Aldis brought it, and Cody Rhodes brought it out of Aldis as well. Uh, Cody uh, really can, can turn it on when he needs to, and I think the best part of this match was the match. Well, that's good. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't know if I I don't know if I would have uh, uh, guessed that beforehand, but I really enjoyed this wrestling match. It felt big, and it seemed big blow by blow the whole the whole time. I, I really was amazed by it. And then for Cody to win, I mean, that was just excellent, right? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was a big moment uh, for a lot of people. Um, like I said, a, a Rhodes. Holding the NWA title, and that's the same belt. That's the same belt that his father Dusty held, um, and it just it just means that much more. Um, and I think the commentary mentioned something about like him being a kid and wanting to be champion one day, and it did happen. It took him, you know, b- promoting his own show, booking his own show, but nonetheless, uh, NWA uh, champion Cody Rhodes and. Uh, great match. It takes a lot. It takes a real, real heel for uh, Cody Rhodes to look like the good guy in a match, I will say. Um, so hats off Nick Aldis for being so hated. Um, and it's just, it's just cool that Billy Corgan, you know, who got the NWA going again very recently, knew I need to be involved in this all-in show because this is just, you know, with our powers combined, we take on the evil axis, which is, you know, WWE. So, uh, and it's funny because actually uh, Smashing Pumpkins have been touring recently, I think. And I heard on the radio, like, Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan. I was like, what's Billy Corgan doing with, oh, that's right, he's from the Smashing Pumpkins also. Like, I- I've been talking about Billy Corgan and wrestling capacity so much on this show, I forgot he was in the Smashing Pumpkins for a brief second. So, no, obviously. Yeah, also a big deal for, uh, a really big deal for Billy Corgan because Chicago being his hometown, um, he got to see sort of some of his, all of his all of his beloved things kind of really be in the spotlight altogether on this night. Um, yeah, it's too bad Smashing Pumpkins couldn't like have have done the the, the theme song for All In or something. Right, <laughs> they probably should have. That would have been smart uh, cross promoting. But uh, anyway, um, but no, just a great match, great finish, uh, emotional finish, and. It's hard. Those are hard to come by in the world of wrestling. Um, like a truly emotional finish like that. So. Oh yeah, this is going to be in the top ten moments of the last uh, twenty years of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, without a doubt. Without be- something being like overly manufactured, if that makes any sense. You know, just no, it like does. to me, it makes sense to me. Bogged down yeah, with this- storyline. This is just my father held this belt thirty years ago. And now I'm I, I'm holding the same belt, and that's pretty fucking cool. So, and our re- and, our family is and, wrestling. So, and this marks the first and only time a father and son have held the NWA World Title. So that's quite an accomplishment uh, in and of itself as well. So, congratulations to Cody Rhodes in so many ways on this night for putting the show on, for the show being the success that it was. And for dead in the middle of it, winning the NWA 
World Heavyweight Championship. Holy crap. Absolutely. Big deal. Next up, though, because the show is far from over, the bad boy Joey Janela, accompanied to the ring by his lovely lady friend Penelope Ford, took on Hangman Adam Page of the Bullet Club in a Chicago street fight. Now, <laughs> uh, let's briefly discuss the deal with Hangman Page. Um, apparently, he killed Joey Ryan in Japan. Right. And um, I really didn't. I had not been privy to that. <laughs> uh, as much as I love wrestling and as much as I love the Bullet Club, I uh, I don't frequently stay up to date on um, being the elite uh, or all the mini uh, web series that Kenny and the Bucks and their friends uh, put on YouTube uh, and elsewhere. But apparently, as the storyline goes, Hangman Page killed Joey Ryan and now has been haunted by Joey Ryan being he's been haunted by his own cowboy boots which are talking to him <laughs> and um, as a result hangman page has been on a rampage uh trying to eliminate anyone and everyone named joey and so down this night uh he would attempt to eliminate the threat of joey janella now chicago street fights we just saw one between tomasa champa and johnny gargano under the wwe banner down in NXT, would this Chicago street fight live up to that one? Um, as far as Chicago street fight goes, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of Chicago street fightiness in the first half of the match. Like most of it was in the ring or just around the ring. Uh, Penelope Ford gets involved, and that's pretty awesome because she's super athletic um, and she's super good wrestler too. Um, but if this Chicago street fight and anything goes, how about immediately Penelope Ford gets involved and it's basically a handicap match the entire time? Uh, because you can't get disqualified anyway. You know, hashtag if wrestling were real. I'll go ahead and call that out right now. Uh, but she definitely added a lot uh, to the match just anytime she kind of jumped in. Yeah, she uh, really outdid herself. Her athletic performance was incredible. And that's not to take anything away from Paige or Janela, but Penelope Ford really took every opportunity to shine. She, she tilted that spotlight uh, very brightly down onto herself, and uh, isn't by no means was she simply an arm piece. Nevertheless, Joey Janela, a daredevil as always, taking really, really dangerous risks, not only with his offense, but. Uh, in the, the way he sold moves, some of the moves he agreed to take. Hey, I thought Hangman Page had killed Joey Janela three or four different times during this match. Yeah, I agree with that. Also, I was like, "Ow, oh, why would you do that?" Again, like, we we've said it before. Like when you're when you're younger watching wrestling, you're like, "Yeah, kill each other, jump off the cage." And when you're getting to this age, the older you get, the more you're like, "No, no, he has a family." Or like, "No, no." Well, exactly. It's like, I want to see you wrestle again. Don't let this be your last match. Don't accidentally break your neck. Yeah. And I think it's so funny that it, ever since WWE outlawed the pile driver so many years ago, it's like indie wrestling has said, all right, well, then we'll get all our pile drivers in before we go to the WWE. 
the pile driver has gotten only more fanciful, more dangerous, and more frequent than ever in independent wrestling. More inventive, more combinations that lead to pile drivers. And then what used to be the most insane move ever to me, the vertebraker. Now there's variations on the vertebraker, and people are doing it just as simply as you would do a lariat. And, uh, like, it scares me every time. Man, if they made WWF No Mercy for Nintendo 64 now, there'd be about 500 new moves to make your uh, <laughs> to make your wrestlers do on the custom uh, Builder Wrestler. Uh, and then that is two episodes in a row where I have mentioned that game. Hangman Page ultimately wins this match, but it doesn't end there for Page. Simply vanquishing the bad boy Joey Janela. Uh, at Penelope Ford, the night isn't over for the hangman. No, because the hangman has to now deal with the hung man. Oh! Whoa! Wow. Whoa! Good one. The lights go out. There's some ominous music, and there uh, you get the feeling that the druids are going to come out, right? Right. The druids that would uh, accompany the Undertaker during a particularly dramatic uh, return or exit or burial or entrance, something of that. Uh, but it wasn't druids. Uh, what was it? Uh, large penises. It was a group of penis men, <laughs> a group of men wearing costumes that made them look like giant dick and balls. Right. And, uh, well, first of all, where do you even get those? Um, uh, Oh, there are ways, Darren. There are ways. Well, you got a whole bunch of penises out there, a whole bunch of man-sized penises. Uh, You could call them giant-sized man-things if you wanted. Okay. Um, But we see the resurrection of Joey Ryan. And, uh, you, you know, it's funny. It's great because I really, not having followed the Hangman Page, Joey Ryan story, found myself earlier in this evening thinking, how can they do this show without Joey Ryan? Joey Ryan really needs to be on the show. Lo and behold, there he is, back from the dead, Hangman Page haunted, rightfully so. And we get the uh, the big dick and nuts welcoming Joey Ryan back to life, back to the world of wrestling, uh, and welcoming him to all in. This is true. So Joey Ryan exacts some revenge on Hangman Page. In fact, his penis druids even uh, take Hangman Page away, a la taking <laughs> Jesus away, basically, <laughs> to be a... Uh, uh, it gets a little biblical, uh, in a way. Uh, but no, I thought that entire storyline was uh, funny and well done. Hangman Page did his part well, and Joey Ryan did his part well, and uh, it ended zany... It, was it silly and, and and out of place? Yeah, but, you know, if you still think wrestling is real at this point, then maybe you should stop watching it. <laughs> so. Yeah, and, uh, and if you're Jim Cornette and you're offended by this segment, then maybe you need to stop watching. There you go. There you go. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Far too theatrical and silly for its own good, but I loved every second of it. Grown men in giant penis costumes, or it's grown men dressed up as druids, it's equally unbelievable. 
There you uh, well, go. well, not well, not equally. I won't say that because <laughs> penises are a bit more a bit more out there, but uh, equally uh, equally a suspension of disbelief uh, necessary. So uh, I don't want to hear it. Moving on, you would think that the silliness would stop, but it doesn't because next up is the Ring of Honor World Championship match. The champion Jay Lethal. We see him backstage about to make his way to the ring when someone hands him a pair of sunglasses. Whacks him with a karate chop, and suddenly Black Machismo is back, dear listeners. Black Machismo, if you missed Black Machismo from back in the day in TNA, you missed out. It is by far... By far the best impression of the Macho Man Randy Savage you will ever see. I don't <laughs> care if you think you can do a good Macho Man. I don't care if you've got a buddy who can say, oh, yeah, snap into it. It's not Jay Lethal's impression. Jay Lethal's impression of the Macho Man Randy Savage in the form of black machismo, Jay Lethal's alter ego, uh, is so perfect, you will wet your pants. And uh, I, I feel like there were probably a lot of uh, wet pants on this evening because Jay Lethal comes to the ring full-on black machismo mode with pomp and circumstance playing him to the ring and the genius Lanny Poffo also accompanying him to the ring. Lanny Poffo, of course, being the brother of the late, great Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, it's a little weird watching the genius uh, throw Frisbees into the crowd, especially the one that he threw to the hard camera side. He looked like he threw it a mile. <laughs> uh, Lanny Poffo must have incredible arm strength despite his advanced age because he threw that Frisbee, it might have even gone through the wall of the Sears Center. It may have killed somebody. Uh, but no, uh, Jay Lethal's uh, Macho Man impersonation is, is totally on point, uh, and it's, it's, it, it is a sight to see. Uh, his opponent, though, Flip Gordon, uh, who won earlier uh, in their quote-unquote pre-show for a chance to be on this card to fight the ROH champion Jay Lethal. Uh, Flip Gordon, accompanied to the ring by Brandy Rhodes, uh, why was that? Do we know why that happened? Well, because they're friends. They're friends. When Cody was kind of going off the reservation for a bit, Brandy Rhodes was was uh, being counseled by Flip Gordon, so they're very good friends. However, to me, it took away a little bit from Cody because Brandy Rhodes coming out with someone else, and it's right. not like it's not like Brandy Rhodes is like a manager. I mean, she's she's the wife of Cody Rhodes, um, so you know that, that's why she's there for comfort. But it was great having her there. Because it made Black Machismo go into uh, Elizabeth mode, which was just hilarious to watch. Um, so I, you know I was now, that. now that you now that you say the whole thing, that's probably the only reason Brandy was out there. Probably, yeah, and it, it worked very well because I mean Jay Lethal was on was in full Black Machismo mode for half the match until when he was taking. Uh, Brandy away and put him up on his shoulder and stuff. She said, "Like I'm not Liz. I'm not Liz." And finally, 
karate chopped some sense back into Jay Lethal again. So he changes his his, uh, his psychology and became more like Jay Lethal and less like Black Machismo and wrestled a damn good match. Um, and in the end, old Lanny Poffo hit him with another karate chop and uh, turned him back into Black Machismo again. And he did three elbow drops off the top rope to uh, Flip Gordon, which he kicked out of. Uh, it did take Jay Lethal hitting Flip Gordon with that Lethal injection to actually uh, put him down. So uh, Jay Lethal does retain the ROH championship belt. And, man, it was worth seeing Black Machismo for sure. Oh, it totally was. I, I, that was one of the highlights uh, for me was to get this. Because I never thought I'd see Black Machismo again, uh, especially with you know him, uh, him being the ROH champion. It seemed like he was taking a rather serious turn. But uh, even if it's only for this night, well worth it. Very, very cool. And actually wearing Macho Man's real jacket. Accurate, we yes. We found out that that is so neat to me. Right. Actually, I mean, having the having the blessing of Macho Man's brother, Lanny, that means a lot. So if he's okay with it, then everyone else would definitely have to be okay with it. Um, but, I mean, that, that's actually something worth mentioning. Um, all the... For this to be the first all-in show, and there to be so much history to draw back from, like WWF history, WCW history, NWA history, Impact Wrestling history, uh, ROH history, New Japan, all these references. If you, it's it's like watching an episode of Family Guy, where you're gonna <laughs> get a lot more out of it if you've just seen a lot of the stuff that's happened before, like all the TV shows that are referenced, stuff like that. So. Uh, it's rewarding as a wrestling fan for all these years, knowing like oh, I know what that is, oh I know what that is, I know what that is, I know what that means. So it, it was it was cool seeing that. So most definitely, and it will not be, and it doesn't stop there. It will not be the last we see of this because next up, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, the cleaner of the Bullet Club, and the founder, the man behind the Golden Elite, Kenny Omega representing the Bullet Club, the Golden Elite, and New Japan Pro Wrestling, takes on Pentagon. Whether you call him Penta, whether you call him Pentagon Jr., Pentagon uh, El Cero Miedo, Penta Zero L, who cares? He's Pentagon. He's got a mask and face paint. He is representing all the best of Lucha Libre, AAA, CMLL, as well as Lucha Underground. He's now a former Impact Wrestling Champion. He is one half of the MLW Tag Team Champions. And he is everywhere that he is able to showcase his talent, including this night at All In. And this is a 2018 dream match. I don't care whether you're talking about WrestleMania moments I don't care if you're talking about all in, if you're talking about indie dream matches, if you're talking about this match will never happen. I I, I don't care if you're talking about favorite dream matchup live or dead. This matchup would fit into any and every one of those categories. That's how big a deal this match is. These two guys have been setting the wrestling world on fire, independent of one another for several years now to see them across the squared circle from one another, almost too good to be true. And they pull out all the stops. Uh, it's it's as good of a match as you expect it to be. 
Uh, obviously, Kenny Omega doing Pentagon a favor and letting Pentagon kind of take control the first half of the match, where Kenny Omega does not get a lot of uh, offense in. Like he, you can tell he wanted to make Pentagon look as good as possible. Um, a lot of V triggers. I think I think Pentagon takes about seven V triggers. No, he does. Um, I will say it was different seeing Omega in this match. I've gotten so used to seeing him wrestle Cody and Okada. And I've gotten so used to him now, either uh, having the IWGP heavyweight title or previously having that IWGP US title, as well as his elaborate entrance gear, to see him just come out without a belt in his trunks and wrestle a match against an unfamiliar opponent, it was neat, actually. It kind of brought Kenny Omega down out of the clouds just a little bit, uh, put his feet on the ground. It could be a street fighting man. Right, it was it was total exhibition. It wasn't for his IWGP Heavyweight Championship, um, and it was just kind of like a match for. It was literally a dream match for the fans. And in the end, Kenny Omega wins the match, and he lays out Pentagon Junior. And the lights dim <laughs> in complete darkness. And uh, when they come back on. Pentagon lying flat on his back, only that's not Pentagon. That is not Pentagon, because Pentagon all of a sudden has a lot of his stamina meters full all of a sudden, and he's uh, (laughs) beating the shit out of Kenny Omega until eventually he takes the mask off and reveals it's Chris Jericho. What? So it's it's the switcheroo. I didn't like the commentary. I, I think maybe it was Don Callis. Um, saying that, like, uh, well, this, the tattoos are different. Like, you know, I hate when they give away too much too soon. You know, like, l- l- let the let the mask come off and then say, like, well, I noticed that all of a sudden Pentagon's tattoos were a little different, you know what I mean? That's fine. But don't don't give away the surprise before the surprise actually happens. Um, so I, I didn't appreciate that. But it was cool that Jericho, uh, Jericho showed up for that. And he grabbed the microphone and uh, made some threats. No mention at all that Jericho is the IWGP Intercontinental Champion, uh, which I didn't appreciate. Also, and I, this was basically just um, to add fuel to the fire for the Alpha versus Alpha Club versus Omega Club happening on the Jericho Cruise uh, very very soon. It's a little little cross promoting there for the Jericho Cruise. Uh, who could blame him for that? The guy is the ultimate marketer. That's why he still has a vibrant wrestling career at this stage in his life and why he is also able to make gold records and tour the entire globe with a rock and roll band that should have never been big. I mean, that is a testament <laughs> to the uh, many talents of Chris Jericho and uh, the endless drive and uh, enthusiasm and energy that he must have uh, to self-promote like that. So after all of the rumors that Jericho was going to have absolutely nothing to do with this match, he does make his uh, presence felt. And that, too, added a little bit more of a WTF sort of historical element to this show. So good for Jericho. Uh I think the guy is really taking the opportunity uh, at this stage in his career to do all the... There's kind of a bucket list, I think. He's kind of doing bucket list things, and that's cool. Uh, you, you that makes it sound do... like he's dying soon, Darren. 
No, but his his wrestling career may very well be uh, in in its in its waning years. Well, it's not in its Kevining years anymore. Oh my God, is that a Wonder Years reference? <laughs> is, that a, is that an Arnold Brothers reference? Yeah. Hey, you got it. Don't give me that look. I'm not giving you any. David Schwimmer was on Wonder Years. I can I believe that. So was Mark Paul Glosser and a bunch of people. Mark Paul Gosler, really? Yeah, he's like an extra. He's like a student in his gym class. Oh, weird. You know, was you know, you know, Darren. You know, time? Darren. <laughs> I have a, I have a friend who shall remain nameless, who uh, practices martial arts, and his sparring partner is Mark Paul Gosler. <laughs> Wait a minute. You are your roommate? Not my. I said no, no. I've got several friends who practice martial arts. And he, Why do you have several friends who practice martial arts? Are you Ernest the Cat Miller? No, because that's why they're my friends. In case I need him in a fight, I know who to call up. So that's that. Oh, that's okay. So uh, your friends are Cobra Kai? Basically, they're all Cobra Kai. And they all meet up at the max after they they martial arts train. The Saved by wow, the Bell reference. True. Anyway. <laughs> so, wow, okay. So was Mark Paul Gosselier on Wonder Years before Saved by the Bell? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he must have been really young. He was very young, yes. Wow, that's crazy. Interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> so all <Dave> in. <laughs> so, from current IWGP heavyweight champion to former IWGP heavyweight champion, the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. With his Here red hair all. and all. Don't like it. Don't like it. Don't like what? The red hair? Don't like the red hair. No, no. No, the red hair isn't great, but I love the long pants. I'm still totally feeling the the flared long pants. Uh, they, they do something for him. And I, the red hair doesn't, but he needs something. I don't I don't think I, I – it's not like I dislike him right. or like him any less – but I don't think I like him not being the IWGP champion. You mentioned that before when we talked about Dominion, where you said that he, it seemed like he was kind of put to the wayside. But uh, I don't think so. He he still wrestles great, and they put no, him over totally on commentary. Does. It's nothing against him. I don't know why He's you hate Okada so much, Darren. He he died for your sins, is what I'm trying to oh, say. Oh, on the contrary. Okay. Definitely loving Okada. But there just seems to be a little weirdness about it. But he takes on Marty Skrull at all in. Marty Skrull, the villain. The villain club here. Member of the Bullet Club, of course, with all of his. This guy has a lot of gear. Reminds me of the <laughs> Mitch Hedberg joke about having a lot of cranial accessories. Yeah. Um, Marty Skrull with the Plague Doctor mask, the top hat, the feathers, the umbrella, the, I mean, I love it. Um, and the music, man, oh, I that know music's you're great. a fan of his music. The, the, the music, it's rare that a, the, the entrance music and the video sync up so well. But I remember when we saw ROH tape at uh, Center Stage in Atlanta, what, like three, four years ago, probably three years ago. Um, he came out and like like I was like genuinely creeped out by that music and that that uh, video. I was like, oh god, this guy truly is a villain because he's creeping me out. That's for sure. 
I, uh, you know, it was funny to me how big of a deal the announcers made about Marty Skrull and uh, Kazuchika Okada not, quote-unquote, being in the same weight class. Did you find that a little strange? Uh, that they made such a big deal about it? Yeah. Well, no, because uh, Marty Skrull is not a heavyweight. And IWGP, they have the juniors and the heavyweights. That's such a big deal. So like, maybe IWGP was like, all right, we're sending people, but... Make sure they know. <laughs> I mean, in that case, you would not have seen this match anywhere else because IWGP would not have these two fight each other because they're not in the same weight class. So, again, total exhibition. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a little weird. I didn't. I mean, Marty Skrull isn't that big, but it's not like he's a tiny. I mean, Okada is much taller than him. I just thought it was weird. I, I understand maybe because of that New Japan aspect of it and because Don Callis is on commentary. And hashtag a real fight, Darren. That size difference would be of great detriment to Marty Skrull. So actually I like that they were putting that over. Fair enough. Maybe and maybe and that was the, exactly the idea there here was that they're trying to create a di- different atmosphere, more of a sports atmosphere, more of a legitimate thing, sort of like MLW is shooting for these days. But Maybe it's the size advantage. Who knows? Okada takes the win here. Okada defeats Marty Skrull here in the penultimate match at All In. I would have been happy with either person winning here. I don't think anybody expected Skrull to take the victory away from Okada. Uh, Okada has certainly done enough favors for the Gaijin for the time being. So uh, this was a nice moment for Okada. To sort of say, because Okada is no indie wrestler by any stretch of the imagination. So for Okada to uh, sort of, I guess, thank indie wrestling on this night na- on this night by appearing, I guess this was uh, indie wrestling thanking Okada in kind uh, for being there and for being a part of this show. Right. And that leaves only the main event of the evening: a six-man tag match a dream match many are calling it including two of the six participants that's right it is the young bucks who decided that they wanted to book a match that was a dream match not for them necessarily to fight but they wanted to book since they are two-thirds of the team along with cody that put on this show They wanted a dream match. They wanted dream opponents. So the Young Bucks, Matt, and Nick Jackson team with Kota Ibushi as three-fourths of the Golden Elite, and they take on Ray Phoenix, Bandito, and Ray Mysterio Jr. Looking like Wolverine. Looking like Wolverine. And you know what? I think Ray Mysterio is actually the appropriate height of Wolverine uh, of the classic Wolverine, right? Yeah, five three, right? I think that's right. That's I right, Wolverine that that is- fans. Just remember, he's supposed to be really, really short. Okay, and here we are talking about X Men again. This time, it's not my fault. God damn it! Hugh Jackman, great Wolverine, uh, over a foot taller than he was supposed to be. So absolutely, uh, so bullshit movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a cool match. This is a very 
cool match. This is the first time I've ever seen Bandito in action. I've seen the rest of these guys wrestle a whole lot. I've seen Rey Mysterio wrestle a whole, 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 whole lot. And uh, dude hasn't missed a step. Yeah, he can still go with the youngins, as they say. The the young bucks, if you will. Um, and yeah, Kota Ibushi and the young bucks together. Oh, it's... Oh, ho, 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 it's magic, you know. So if you get him three people that can, um, can you know, keep up with that pace. I mean, you, you've got a dream match. And this was... Uh, well, a lot of a lot of spots, a lot of great spots in this uh, in this match. Everyone had a chance to shine. Um, one thing you will notice during this match, if, if you go back and watch it again, you will notice the referee constantly telling them to quote go home. You I hear know. you hear the referee mention something about going home about three times, and the very end's like, "All right, we gotta go home now. Go home now." The very very end, <laughs> it's, it's just like you're taking me out of this, man. And you can tell the pay per view did end kind of abruptly. Where the commentator was still like thanking people, and it was like, "Nope, gotta go." Wee, next thing. Um, so that was a little unfortunate. Um, and the thing is, that's the kind of thing you never forget. Right, um, right, right. I, I know that to this day, uh, you and I, as well as many of our friends, still reference Triple H getting into the ring while yelling "sharpshooter." <laughs> In order to get the point across that it was time for Owen Hart, I believe, Correct. to apply the sharpshooter to Triple H in that match. And um, we've never forgotten. So somewhere if, out if there... Fans, if fans want a reference to that, I believe it was the night after King of the Ring 98. Ken Shamrock had just become the new King of the Ring. Um, and it was a triple threat match between all the former King of the Ring kings. And yeah, tri- Triple H yells sharpshooter when the camera's like on his face. Oh uh, man, wrestling's so you know fake. Wrestling's that fake, Darren. A, so you know what that means? That means there's a group of asshole teenagers out there who saw all in, and for the next twenty years of their lives, they're going to be like, "Go home, go home." <laughs> all that is stupid. <laughs> right? Exactly. So one can only hope, Darren. I want I want to believe the next generation of wrestling fans. Uh, well, I tell you what, all in was a lot of things. Despite the go home calls, this show was not stupid. It was great. The main event was great. I think a lot of people didn't want this to be the main event. I'm okay with it. I thought it was a good way to end the show. It's not often you have a six man tag into show. I will say that. Um, but also, unless it's like an NXT house show. Um, but it, it kind of made sense. Cody's booked so low on the show, so it made sense that the Young Bucks, who were so, you know, important as far as getting the show together, were in the main event. And they deserve to be for, you know, doing all the legwork, sure. Um, so it's not surprising, but it was a great match. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, the Bucks and Kota Bushi do go over. It's just fun. If you haven't watched All In, uh, find a way to watch it, man. Legally... Or have, have a way to watch it. Have a friend purchase it, and then they will get several codes, and you can watch it <laughs> on your friend's dime. Wink. There you go. There we yeah, go. Yeah, and like I mean, I'm not saying that I want all of you to have squeaky clean legal records. It's not about the illegality. It's about the money. If you want this kind of thing to happen again, you got to support with your dollars. So we want to help send money their way so that they'll be encouraged both Cody the Young Bucks 
and others to do more shows just like this because this is some special stuff. Like, this is what we've been begging for uh, ever since indie wrestling caught fire again a couple years ago. Absolutely. Looking forward to more of it. You know, it's going to be more of it. Um, They're still counting numbers and figuring out what the future holds for All In or uh, endeavors involving, you know, uh, all all these companies kind of coming together to make one show. Uh, And we can't wait to tell you about that and keep you updated on that. You know we will, folks. But speaking of indies getting it done, Fest Wrestling is now celebrating their second anniversary show, their second anniversary bash, and uh, Darren and I want to tell you all about it. So let's do that, Darren. Let's tell them all about the second anniversary bash for Fest Wrestling. This Saturday, September 8th, in Gainesville, Florida, Fest Wrestling is having their second anniversary bash. And you are invited, hashtag dear listeners, and you had better be there. Uh, just so you know, tickets are on sale at festwrestling.com. Get yourself to Gainesville. Get yourself to eight seconds and uh, sit back and enjoy. This card is pretty awesome, I gotta say. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of really cool folks on this card. A lot of talents on this card. Nice smattering of the. Uh, it's a nice sampler platter of the kind of talent that Fest Wrestling has brought to those doors in those last two years. Um, some people that showed up just last show. A couple of people who've never been on a Fest Wrestling show, as far as I'm aware. And uh, a lot of you, a lot of you fest favorites. Uh, sure. I'm sorry. I was hung up on when you said the word smattering. I try to use uh, smattering whenever possible. You know, whenever you, whenever I hear the word smattering, you know what I think of? Hmm. I think of Splatterhouse for Sega Genesis. Okay. And, uh, so that's what I'm thinking about right now. Uh, <laughs> so let me get back to thinking about fest because you're absolutely right. Uh, celebrating two years of Fest Wrestling is what we're all going to be doing in Hogtown, and I could not be more excited. I'm going to be there this Saturday. I'm going to be there live in person. Uh, look out for the whole Ref and Show banner that's going to be hanging proudly at Fest Wrestling's second anniversary bash. Come find me at the show. Let's get a picture with the banner. You, me, hashtag dear listeners. That's right. Darren went to a lot of effort to make this banner, folks. So you take pictures of it and you tag us on social media. <laughs> I sewed it by hand, right? Right. I'm a regular. What's that? What's that? Uh, who's the lady? Who's the lady that sewed the flag? Whistler's mother. Uh, yeah, it was Whistler's mother. That's right. Um, was I right? Really? No. <laughs> I was about to say, wow, that didn't sound right at all. Okay. All right, I'm the history teacher, so yeah. Why are you I'm asking tired. me? I'm the dope. I, I play. Uh, I play Fortnite and alone. Yeah, you're you're one of the seven dwarves. You're dopey. Hey, I can't at least be bashful. Oh, you I could. Well, you could if you were, but you're not. I'm not. No, I can't. I can't. I can't cop to that. Anywho, uh, which <laughs> one of the seven dwarves are you, Perry? Um, well, not Doc. He was sort of smart. Uh, I, I can be grumpy. Uh, I'm never sneezy. I can't think of all the doors. You're <laughs> sleepy. You're sleepy. Okay, sure. I, I sleep sometimes, therefore I am sleepy. Okay, now we can move on. Oh, yeah, okay, now we can move on. Also, Doc, that is, uh, that's a cop-out. 
that's not an adjective, Doc. You can't. That's no. You're cheating. Um, Trip Cassidy, killer clown from outer space, one part of the magnificent group known as the Carnies, making his second trip to Fest Wrestling uh, with all of his cotton candy-haired glory to take on the revolutionary Darius Lockhart. I'm so glad these guys are coming back. I believe this is the second match for Darius Lockhart as well. So uh, we got a couple of sophomores in action. What do you think? Some sophomores. Ooh. Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting match here because uh, very different styles of wrestling, of course. And Trip Cassidy is just weird. He's got that weird, uh, weird style. It's funny because uh, I think it was either Trip or it was, it was one of the carnies that complained they're never booked like all three together. Um, but I believe they were all three at the last fest show, but just were not booked together. Um, they most definitely were. You're right. Yeah, it's it's close enough. Um, Carney's not on this episode of Fest Wrestling, but uh, Trip Cassidy is there, and I'm sure he'll be, he'll he'll weird it up. He'll bring in his uh, carnival antics uh, into this match for sure. He's a tricky one, but I'm gonna give it to Darius Lockhart. Oh, you're gonna go with Darius Lockhart winning this match? Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, Darius Lockhart, I think he won over a lot of the crowd at Fest Wrestling in his first appearance. So I think Fest, uh, Fest family might be on the side of Darius Lockhart um, for this match. And uh, I think I'm going to do it too. I'm going to go with Darius Lockhart as well. Follow your heart, Darren. Follow your Lockhart. That's true. Um, so Trip Cassidy, Darius Lockhart, uh, the, the, the winner will be the Fest family, of course. So guys... What can I say other than welcome sophomores? It's <laughs> a, a very different show than welcome freshmen. Oh, welcome freshmen. So good. Next up, Shotzi Blackheart making her fest wrestling debut and tagging with Jamie Senegal. Definitely not Jamie's first rodeo here at eight seconds. And the pair take on the dastardly duo of Zicky Dice and Drennan. Could there be a more dastardly duo? I was going to say, I was going to say, shy of being awakened. Uh, there you go. These two, though, pretty, pretty dastardly. Uh, Zicky Dice and Drennan, I think these guys get uh, as many boos as awakened. Well, I, I won't go that far. Uh, but uh, these are not fan favorites as far as uh, just being liked. Uh, basically, I mean that doesn't mean they don't have ability. They they are competent wrestlers. Zicky Dice. Uh, speaking of Trip Cassidy bringing uh, uh, tricks to the ring, uh, Zicky Dice, obviously the magician that he is, uh, he's gonna <laughs> bring the whole deck and probably pulled out from behind Drennan's ear or something. And uh, the, this is, I mean, this is an interesting pairing here. I've, I've, I'm interested to see how this match will go. Shotzi Blackheart, admittedly, I don't know a whole lot about her. I know she's tough as nails. Uh, Jamie Senegal is always super fun to watch, super athletic, and just dangerous with those legs. What can I say? Does does a superb roundhouse kick. That is very true. And Shotzi Blackheart herself, uh, in a promo that she shot leading up to Fest Wrestling's second anniversary bash, in which she made her intentions very clear. And Shotzi says she's going to drag her balls across everyone's face. 
at Fest Wrestling. So I guess we have that to look forward to. Yeah, to see uh, how that will go. Dice, uh, definitely stick to pulling corners out from behind ears and maybe some card tricks. Leave the fireballs at home, my man. Uh, you almost killed Effie two years ago. And uh, you know, fire is a, it's a, it's a dangerous thing. Yeah, yeah. You and Carlina Gore need to go to some sort of fire uh, therapy, some sort of pyrotherapy, if you will. Dude, did you hear about Carlina? No. Retired from the ring. What? Carlina Gore has retired from the squared circle. She's hung up the boots. She's hung up the propane tank. We were kidding about the fire. You can keep doing it. You can keep (laughs) doing it. Oh, that's sad to hear. Yeah, it is sad to hear. She's going to focus on, uh, she's a, she is a, a, an often working stunt woman in television and film. She is also uh, a visual artist, photographer, uh, as well as a model. And she's apparently going to spend her time dedicated to those crafts. Those aren't wrestling. Boo! <laughs> we wish Carlina the best, but... You're right. There's there's very little to like about Zicky Dice and Drenna. They are they are nasty guys. <laughs> they right? are nasty, nasty guys. They are bad. They are bad boys. I definitely dig Drennan's music though. I always gotta support the entrance music of Drennan. Well if sure if we voted not. for people who had the best entrance musics, we, we would have very different picks. Um you know what I mean? We wouldn't necessarily go with our hearts or our That's brains. Right. Um, as I, far as who's going to win this match, I'm going with Shotzi and Jamie. I'm going with Shotzi and Jamie as well. I'm going to follow my heart, follow my black heart. There you go. There you go. I am super excited to see Shotzi Blackheart specifically. This is my first opportunity to see her wrestle live. Um, and I'm equally as excited to see Jamie Senegal return to Fest Wrestling. Uh, but man, I... That, that horned helmet and those green uh, locks falling out from underneath it. Shotzi is a bad-ass girl. And she belongs in Fest Wrestling. I hope she's here to stay. No shortage of personality in this match. I will say that. Well, maybe Drennan. Uh, moving on. <laughs> some tag teams. Some tag teams that uh, are, we're very familiar with here at Fest Wrestling. And uh, and they uh very familiar with each other as well. This Feud may go forever. Hashtag fight forever. Uh, the Thank ugly you. You took the words right out of my mouth, Meatloaf. The ugly ducklings. Rob Killjoy, Lance Lude, the beloved coach Mikey as well. Uh, taking on Jim Nasty Boys. Jim Nasty Boys, the former Fest and inaugural Fest Wrestling Tag Team Champion. So they're going to be in a pissy mood because they don't have Jim Belts anymore, but they can't get their revenge on Awaken. They got to fight the Ducks first, and uh, that, that, that's just the perpetual roadblock. Uh, they're basically for each other, I should say, because these two just constantly thrust into a tag team uh, match, and I'm not, I'm, I never get tired of seeing it. it. It's it's always a great match, and these guys are phenomenal dance partners. Of course, Gymnasty Boys uh, comprise the team of Timmy Lou Retton, as well as White Mike. And uh, these guys, it's poetry in motion uh, when these guys go at it. This does remind me, though, that Tech is not at this show, which is, which is a little, little disheartening. So you can't do your uh, hashtag, where's Jim Sherfair? Actually, I can. Oh, no, 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 you can. You can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it won't make any sense, but whatever. I think it'll make perfect sense because I'll be wondering that aloud. 
I, I don't uh, I don't know who to go with in this match because we've seen it so many times, and I'd say they're it's pretty much a dead heat. You know, they're sometimes the ducks can get the best of the gymnasties, sometimes gymnasties get the best of the ducks. But if you want to talk about hashtag friends of the show, I'm gonna have to go with our hashtag friends of the show, uh, the ugly ducklings, just because we know they got that fire, they know they got that passion. Old Rob and Lance and Coach puts it puts it right over the top there. Old Coach Mikey. Well, you know what I always say. Hmm. Quack, 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 quack. That says Ducks it all. Fly together. Ducks fly together. Ugly ducklings for the win on this night and forever. If they're gonna hashtag fight forever, I'm okay with it. Ugly ducklings versus gymnasty boys. Give it to me. Seven days a week. Absolutely. And another Ducks, they want to blaze that trail to get an opportunity at those Fest Wrestling Tag Team Championship belts. And to do that, you're going to have to stop the gymnasties from uh, traveling that same road. So we'll see what happens. Our money is on the Ducks with that. We're moving on to a woman we talked about earlier in the show. We talked about All In, Britt Baker. We'll be making her debut at Fest Wrestling. Looking forward to that. Against someone uh, who's been to a few shows and has uh, amassed quite a following at Fest Wrestling, Ariel Monroe. So a one-on-one match between these two ladies. It should be something. Oh, for sure. Ariel Monroe, when you talk about somebody who has come in and won over the Fest family, that is Ariel Monroe. She breathes, she lives and dies with that crowd. I mean, I think the Fest family's blood is pumping through Ariel Monroe's veins. She's she's such at home in a Fest wrestling ring. Uh, and she, she seems really confident and really powerful. Uh, she's kicked a whole lot of ass inside of a Fest wrestling ring. Britt Baker is an unknown commodity. Um, she, she hasn't been in the business for too terribly long, and she is completely unknown in Hogtown, especially in this atmosphere. What does that mean when she has to face uh, Swole herself, Ariel Monroe, in the ring that Ariel has become so dominant in? Well, I mean, Britt Baker is going to have to... She knows she has to kind of pull out stops and make a good first impression in Fest Wrestling, in the Swamp, as you say, uh, in Gainesville, Florida. Ayo Monroe, uh, her swollenness, her, her sw- swolgesty, I don't know, I'm making these up. I'm, try- I'm trying to make her another t-shirt idea. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's got the power and she's going to bring it. Britt Baker's got to watch out for that and uh, try to put Ariel away the best she can. I'm going to go with Britt, though, just because she has a lot more to prove than Ariel does. Wow, well, this is where we're going to differ for the first time because I'm going to put my choice with Ariel Monroe. Mm-hmm. I think Ariel is just on the type of winning streak here in Fest that is going to carry her over the newcomer. I, I just can't see Britt putting Monroe's uh, shoulders down for a three count. So I'm going to go with Ariel Monroe here. Well, well, well. That will take us to another match that we might have a difference in opinions on. This match should be pretty darn good. Simon Grimm taking on hashtag friend of the show, 
but he's become a real mean guy all of a sudden. Serpentico! You know, when Serpentico was the friend of the show, he seemed like a real sweetheart. He was. He he fooled us all. He really did. But now, but now he's a cold-hearted snake. And we didn't we already do the Paul Abdul routine? We we, we did the Paul Abdul routine already. Yes. <laughs> uh, Serpentico apparently also can't. You know, he can't keep his mask to himself. He let Jason Cade borrow it, and Jason Cade ran in, interfered with the match uh, between Effie and Saeed Al Sabah. So even when Serpentico is not involved, he just he gets his mask involved, and it's like he's there r- ruining shit. No, it certainly is, and he'll ruin the area between your legs if you let him get his chairs anywhere near there. This is true. So I would suggest that Simon Grimm perhaps wear a cup or maybe some sort of um, codpiece. Right. Because uh, otherwise he's putting himself at great risk stepping into the ring in simply a pair of underpants when facing someone like the chair-swinging Serpentico. This is true, very true. Obviously, Simon Grimm, formerly known as Simon Gotch of the Vaude Villains from WWE. This is his second, second appearance at Fest Wrestling. Um, and the first time he fought uh, Big Brody King. Um, this time, though, Serpentico, it, it's definitely not about uh, size and power. It's about uh, speed, for sure. Serpentico's got that speed. He's got that athleticism. He can pull uh, amazing feats out of his you-know-what, uh, his ass, is what, what I'm trying to say. Uh, I was about to say, I don't know what. Okay, he can also, unfortunately, like you mentioned before, pull steel chairs out of his ass uh, and, <laughs> and beat you with them. He's um, got a lot of room up his ass. He, he it's, it's very spatial, I, I'm told. Uh, anywho, I mean, this is just going to be a really, really fun match here, and, and I'm looking forward to it going down. Uh, when it comes to ability, it's it's always hard to go against someone who is hashtag a friend of the show, but he's been a real jerk uh, ever since he turned his back on that fest wrestling crowd. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna with a very with, with with no with no guilty conscience whatsoever go with Simon Grimm on this one. What do you think? I too will go with Simon Grimm. Ah. Uh, I think that he will beat Serpentico. Um, although I'm already kind of jumping ahead and thinking, why not Serpentico and Jason Cade as a tag team? Like, talk about high-flying. These guys could just play off one another and do very well. They could be the type of team to take the belts off of Awaken. No, no, no. You, you didn't say, you didn't look at Bret Hart and say, that's just a tag team guy. He should be a tag team forever. You, you didn't look at Shawn Michaels and say, oh, that's a tag team guy. He should be in a tag team forever. Both these guys... They've 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 gone down the tag team road, okay? They're done. Now they want to hit the singles road. Ever since uh, Jonathan Cruz became Serpentico, he's been making quite a name for himself. Of course, leaving Team Lucha. Go! Lucha, 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 Lucha. Oh, brought it back, brought it back. Uh, and of course, uh, Jason Cade involved with Veda Scott, their pop culture. Veda Scott's been off doing other stuff and has not been around Fest Wrestling a whole lot as of late. Um, so it's good that Jason Cade finally branched off. I said that many, many Fest Wrestling pre-shows ago, that Jason Cade needs to stop associating himself with pop culture, even in the absence of Veda Scott, because 
he he's he can do better than that. It needs to be about him. It can't always be about Veda. Apparently, he took that advice a little too too much because now he's super full of himself, and now he's become quite a problem, which Effie must deal with. But we'll get to that later. Uh, but we are sticking with Simon Grimm going over on Serpentico. Uh, someone's got to take Serpentico down a notch and give him a give him a whooping because he's been a bad bad boy. And I think Simon Grimm is the man for the job. Well, you know what they say. Baby did a bad, bad thing. <laughs> they being Chris Isaac. <laughs> right, they being Chris Isaac. Okay, yes. The best tag team titles are on the line as Awaken, the champions, the best tag team champions represented by Awaken's patriarch, Leon Scott of the Wasteland, and the man holding the other belt, who you might think would be Wolf Taylor, but is, in fact, Vandal. Um, the team of Leon, Scott, and Vandal awaken, defending their tag belts against Beastly and Shug D. Special Dark Sugar Duckerton. I, I like Shug D. Uh, if, I, I, I guess he, he's a fair exchange. If we don't get to hear Frankie say relax... When Tech comes out, at least we'll get to hear Toto's Africa with Shug D. <laughs> and that, I think, will make sure that there's like a homeostasis and all will be right in the world. Wait, which which uh, Toto's Africa should be no one's entrance music. Uh, but somehow it does seem to work for uh, Shug D. This, uh, this team should be called Team Charisma. When you have Beastly, who's a huge fan favorite at Fest Wrestling, Shook D, who's becoming a huge fan favorite at Fest Wrestling, taking on Team Go Fuck Yourself, uh, Awaken, because, man, do people not like Awaken. But I, I, I have it, a feeling that that's the way they like it. I, oh, yeah, but I don't know, man. Remember I told you the last show there was, like, this weird smattering, now I'm thinking about Splatterhouse again, of like cheers for for awaken cheers and happiness that that's just like it's just noise pollution to leon scott he hates all things happy well rock and roll ain't noise pollution i'll tell you that much it's true but then remember even leon scott helped in the effort to chase jason Cade out of eight seconds now it could be like oh i hate everything but it's my everything you right. know there's always that whole there's always that whole uh, take on things, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Leon Scott would like to. Maybe he might like to bask in some some appreciation at some point. Don't you give that man any credit? He's been a thorn in Effie's paw for a year. A thorn in all the fest wrestling viewers hashtag do listeners paw in years. So I, I I can't I can't I can't look at him positively I can't do it I mean he's got ability he's got size he's a good wrestler he's a tag team champion that's the most I can give him because he is despicable despicable human being from the wastelands Vandal same thing two peas in a pod those two but I do well, think I do think they're gonna be too much for the team of Beastly and Shook D Awaken as much as we hate them. They work so well together because they've been together for so long. Plus, Wolf Taylor, even if he's on crutches, he can still use those crutches. I mean, we saw that basically on the last show. Wolf Taylor got involved when he wasn't supposed to be involved. Um, so I'm going to have to go with Awaken to keep those Fest Wrestling Tag Team belts. 
totally, totally right. Uh, win, lose, or draw, right, wrong, or indifferent. Babyface, heel, or tweener. Awaken are definitely, definitely holding on to these belts. Uh, as fun as it might as it might be to see Beastly and and Shug with the belts around their waists, uh, I don't think we're ever going to see it. Uh, certainly not uh, <laughs> this Saturday. I won't say ever, but I mean anytime soon because Awaken just got them. They ain't going to let them go. That's for sure. Speaking of gold, though, the gold, the Fest Wrestling Heavyweight Championship, war, world-renowned, by the way, it has been defended on more than one continent now, will be proudly defended by the Golden Boy of Grabass, Effie, hashtag our best friend of the show, <laughs> taking on Jason Cade, a man that you refer to as the Whipping Boy of Fest Wrestling, Darren. Hashtag Whipping Boy. Wow. Did you ever read that book, The Whipping Boy? No, did you? Uh, yeah. Well, yes, and by that I mean I read uh, the end of every chapter so I could hopefully know enough about it to to pass my test about The Whipping Boy. But Oh, uh, well, did it work? No, I, I didn't pass. Luckily there was a movie, so I was kind of like, oh, I get it. They whip him. Um, so this is Effie versus, <laughs> this is Effie versus Jason Cade. Um, I don't want to say a long time in the making, but Jason Cade has definitely uh, kept basically poking at Effie. Uh, you're, you're poking the cage tiger, and now Effie is upset, and he, he wants to get some revenge on Jason Cade. Jason Cade, who stole Effie's Fest Wrestling Championship belt, you may recall, and uh, he, Effie was able to uh, get it back. And this time Jason Cade wants to steal it away from him, but in the ring the right way. Uh, Jason Cade was, apparently he was barred from the show originally, but Effie, I think, made a big enough fuss about it and said, no, no, I don't want him barred, I want him here, and I want to put him away. I want to take care of business, which is just the way Effie does things, professionally, in a business manner. Oh, yeah, if you did not see Effie's promo uh, uh, telling Jason Cade just what a piece of crap he is <laughs> and, and begging begging Tony and Fest Wrestling management to give Effie the opportunity to knock Jason Cade around the ring. We'll go to YouTube, watch it. It's a wonderful three-minute clip. It is an incredible promo that Effie shoots, and he lays it all out there on the line, warts and all. Um, gotta love the, the lo-fi production uh, of hearing the director say action at the beginning. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, beautiful camera work, Effie's beautiful face, and one hell of an exciting promo. If I were Jason Cade, I wouldn't want to fight Effie, especially after stealing and then losing his belt twice. Um, I think that <laughs> Jason Cade has already been privy to what Effie is capable of now when he is alone in the ring with him, it could get ugly. And I think it will. I don't only think that Effie wins this match, but I think he hurts Jason Cade. Ooh, could be, could be. I mean, it's not it's not good to uh, <laughs> to upset a man once his blood is up. And uh, old Jason Cade is really getting on Effie's last nerve. And now I'm afraid Effie's going to have to put some sort of 
Dragon sleeper hold on Jason Cade and put him to sleep. You know, there, there's no telling what all he might do because, you know, we talked about Champa and Gargano. We talked about Janela and Paige. Those two fights being contested as Chicago street fights. Well, Effie and Jason Cade contested as a Hogtown street fight. That's right. Tony Weinbender goes online and announces a Hogtown street fight. Falls count anywhere. No DQs. No holds barred. So Evie can do as he damn well pleases. I'm putting good money on the fact this one leaves the building. Uh, That's that's very potential. Uh, Rich Bokini, who was on the show before, friend of the show, uh, Rich Bokini mentioned before, like, when's the last time anyone was disqualified in a fest wrestling match? So basically, well, e- basically every fair. single match is no DQ. So if you go out and actually say no DQ, I mean, the sky's the limit as far as, you know, what kind of damage can be done and what to expect during this match. So uh, I don't I don't want to oversell it, but uh, I'm thinking it's going to be it's going to be one to see for sure. A lot of gifts will be made of this match on uh, Twitter. <laughs> but uh, when it's all said and done, I do think Effie's going to still be holding, proudly holding, that Fest Wrestling Championship belt. What do you think? Oh, for sure. I have no doubt in my mind. I could forget everything I know about wrestling, and I'd still pick Effie to beat Jason Cade on this night 10 times out of 10. Ooh, so both of us going with our boy Effie. We tend to do that for sure, uh, not just because we like him and he's a heck of a nice guy, but because he definitely has the ability and the passion and the the ring psychology and all the tools necessary for the trade. And that is it. Fest Wrestling's second anniversary bash. Again, that's happening Saturday, September 8th at 8 seconds in Gainesville, Florida. Get your tickets at festwrestling.com. Gonna be a lot of fun. If you've never been to a Fest Wrestling show before, you gotta go. You gotta see what it's all about. Really great talent. Uh, really fun atmosphere. Uh, you're gonna have a lot of fun. It, it's probably typically I'm not a huge fan of a wrestling <laughs> crowd because they can be obnoxious, but the Fest crowd, man, they're right on. They're right on. So, folks, check out Fest Wrestling. Are you gonna be there? Did you enjoy All In? Let us know. A lot of ways you can do that. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like and share. We would appreciate that. If you want to, you can send us a Gmail at show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or, or find us on Instagram, like our pictures, Request our friendship. We're nearing a thousand uh, followers just on Instagram alone. So thank you all for the support there. Please keep it up. We are the whole Refn show. T H E W H O L E R E F N S H O W on Instagram. Find us there. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, it's going to be a really cool weekend. More indie wrestling to look forward to. By that, I mean Fest Wrestling. Get yourself there, folks. See Darren. Say hello to him. Even go check out that sweet banner he made. <laughs> it's gonna be, it's gonna be pretty good. And on next week's show, we're gonna, of course, have the results of the Fest Wrestling show for our Fest Wrestling second anniversary bash review episode. So looking forward to that. If you won't be at the show, we'll see you then. Until then, I will be 
Barry Smith. And I will be the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. And we're going to see you next week, folks. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye.